Welcome to another Aftershock. The Earthquakes lose in Minnesota United. Uh, uh, Matias Almeida drops another one to Adrian Heath after two draws last season. Alex Morgan, Robert Jonas, thank you for being here tonight. I'm trying to like process parts of this game. In some ways, it feels like there was a step forward, but it feels like it was like half a step, like not even a full step. Because again, we come back to the shots. We come back to what's going on in terms of creating danger. And for the second straight game on the road, very little danger uh, was created. Robert, I'm going to kick it over to you first. Just give us your thoughts. What did you see tonight? And how do you think it compared to what we saw against Philadelphia? Um, it was not going to be very hard to improve on the performance in Philadelphia. Let's, uh, I think we, should, we can say that from the very beginning. Um, one thing I was pleased to see was that uh, Jackson Ewell was, was put back in the midfield. Um, I think that's definitely his best position and the position where he can help the Quakes the most. Uh, swapping him with uh, Eric Rometty was an interesting choice when you still have Judson on the bench uh, as a possibility. But bringing in Tanner Beeson, again, another you know true defender and, and potentially the second best defender on this team uh, after Nathan, who's going to be out for a few more weeks and this Quakes team is going to need to figure out how to play without him. So a little bit of encouragement, at least in terms of the way the lineup uh, and the game started. But um, I think uh, you mentioned at uh, some point during the game uh, via tweet, I heard uh, Chris Dangerfield say it on the broadcast, you know, the, the offense didn't seem to be kind of playing in their lanes properly. There didn't seem to be the ball coming up the field and in the way that would get people open. Now, you're not really challenging Minnesota to, to, to try to unlock their defense in any meaningful way. And uh, yeah, another game without any shots on target is pretty remarkable. Yeah, it... Uh it's pretty difficult to see exactly how they're going to be able to get this, this offense going Alex Morgan uh, again, no, no shots on goal. Now I'm not someone who puts a lot of emphasis in shots on goal because there's plenty of close shots that don't go on goal that are more dangerous than some of the ones that are put on goal. That said, certainly there are a lot of elements of this attack that are not really clicking and not really coming together at this point. Wouldn't you say? Oh, oh, for sure, Jamin. And look, I, I want to give Matias Almeida credit. I think the Quakes did some things right tonight. I think it was a good step to put Jackson Ewell back in the midfield. And I thought for probably the first half hour or so, uh, their ball movement looked much better. I thought they were moving the ball through the middle uh, much better. And it seemed like they had some inkling of an attacking plan, trying to get the ball uh, out wide left, playing through the middle out wide left, and then switching the ball to Christian Espinosa on the right. They had a couple of bright moments. Espinosa had a chance on the volley that he wasn't able to put on target. And so there were some sort of seedlings uh, of, of hope and promise in this game. But look, the thing is, they just look so far behind where everybody else in the league is right now in terms of having a really well-oiled, uh, coherent tactical game plan. They're just too far behind. And in that sense, I think this game was utterly predictable. Minnesota United are a tough team to play on the road. They're a team that this year has been defensively solid uh, and the Quakes haven't played well against them in the past and they managed zero shots on target today. Uh, and, and it's just, it's just not good enough, Jamin. They, uh, they don't have uh, the, the right uh, attacking strategies uh, to be able to succeed in the Western conference right now. It's been four games without a win uh, and I'm struggling to see how they're going to be able to, to keep pace with the rest of the West. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Alex. That there is one factor that I, I want to kind of remind everyone was that Chofis was scheduled to start. And uh, you know, the way that uh the way that things turned out, we don't know what the injury was, don't really have the details on that. And perhaps Matias Almeida uh would be able to give us some type of update on on that situation. But uh, Benji Kanovich comes in in a pinch. Now, I happen to think that Benji was one of the brighter spots, uh, if you could say that, in the offense. But, you know, to Robert's point, um, it was difficult sometimes to see what was the role of Jeremy Bobasi versus Benji Kanovich, you know, and versus Jamiro Montero. And I don't think Jamiro Montero had a very good game at all. Um, it was uh, every time he touched the ball, 
it felt like he was getting pretty much doubled on. Uh, part of that might have been because Shofis, you know, wasn't in there, and that was might have been an adjustment that they he made. But he often was either turning the ball over, going backwards. Like there was very little like forward generation, that creativity that we've seen in his in his play and and in, in his videos and such. You know, didn't really exist tonight. You didn't really see any creativity from him. He has to be a key piece if this team is going to be able to get forward. Jeremy Abobasi still not really looking himself. Some of the holdup play is there, but once it gets around the goal, there's, you know, I'm not sure if it's the runs. I'm not sure if it's, it's the connectivity. And there are multiple times where, uh, you know, Lopez put, try to put balls in the box and just wildly missed tonight. So that, that's not Jeremy Abobasi's fault, but at the same time, he doesn't really look like he's in threatening positions, you know, all that much either. Uh, to be able to necessarily do something, you know, in those situations. And some of the more dangerous attacks were situations where the balls would kind of more pop up uh, toward the top of the box. Sometimes Jackson Mule would be there. Um, uh, and sometimes Greg Goosh or somebody like that would be there. And then, you know, it, it just, everything just felt plotting and slow to me. But, you know, the Remedi experiment, okay, it's, it's definitely better than Jackson Mule. But, of course, on the one goal that the Quakes gave up, Remedi is the player who's back there to try to handle the transition instead of a center back. And that wouldn't be such a problem, but, like, this is actually the game plan for him to, to be in that middle spot. Interestingly enough, at least for my eye and what we could see from the broadcast, it looked like Matias made a change at halftime, and he put... Uh, Remedi then to the outside and had Tanner Beeson in the middle. And it did feel a little bit more solid in doing that part of it. And if that's the way that they would say start the next game, I wouldn't totally hate it. But I know JD McCall's on this and, and he's been needling it. Uh, and for my money, I would, if you're going to use a midfielder, Judson's the guy that, that you want. He can handle the transitions better than the other players. He's not as sharp in the passing. And I get that. But at the same time, you got Jackson Ewell and you have Greg Goosh out there. Do you really need another central midfielder who can handle the ball? You've got two of them. You've almost got too many central midfielders. And, and that's the part that I think is, is frustrating tonight. You know, Robert, oh, go ahead, Alex. You look like you want to jump in there. Yeah, I, I just, it's, it feels like Matias Almeida is obsessed with fixing everything with one ingenious move that nobody's expecting. That's what it felt like with the Rometty at center back uh, move. It's so obvious that Eric Rometty is not a center back. He's defensively one of their most susceptible, vulnerable players, uh, too aggressive uh, when he's stepping forward to the ball and doesn't have the awareness required of a center back. And that's exactly how Minnesota score the whip of the box and Amaria loses Remedi and that's the one goal that they need to win it, it felt like Almeida was playing into Minnesota's hands because quite frankly this was exactly the game Minnesota United wanted they wanted to let the Quakes possess the ball and then take advantage of their defensive vulnerabilities and the Quakes gave them like five or six 1v1 chances I mean JT Marcinkowski had another amazing game he stopped like three 1v1 uh, situations uh, but uh, the Quakes aren't going to be able to rely on, on JT's heroics to win these games. And, and the problem is that they're making themselves incredibly vulnerable at the back uh, by playing central midfielders in the, the, the center of, of defense, Jamin. So, Robert, let me ask you this. Given the options that are available right now and Nathan not being in there, and I know you expressed in a tweet during the game that, you know, Nathan is the number one you know, center back. And without him, everything, every other option that Matias Almeida has is a step down from not having Nathan. So knowing that, what do you think is the best option for Matias Almeida at this point? We did get to a point later in the match where it looked like because of the substitution patterns that they had gone to four in the back and they actually had Beeson and Calvo uh, playing side by side and on the right and the left. And, uh, uh, I believe they had Tommy out right there and then they had Paul Marie out left and is, is just a standard four in the back and just sorting out the beast and Calvo, you know, really kind of the, the only real option for this team right now, do you think? 
I think it's a tricky one. And, and um, you know, it, it comes down to kind of maybe two choices, one of which is do I, you know, for Almeida, I should say, to, you know, does he stick with the uh, kind of the plan that he has where he wants to have the, the back line be the starting point or a building point uh, with possession? Or does he want to go more with a flat defensive line and put four in the back in a more traditional way? I mean, one of the things that I, you know, would would comment on, uh, you know, again, without Nathan, your number one defender, you, you've got to make some decisions. And, and you know, if you're going to stick with three in the back, you know, I've heard the call for Jutsen being that third guy. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that you need uh, maybe more of an enforcer behind a defender like Calvo, a, a person we know that gets a little aggressive, gets caught out of position. You need someone backing him up and covering him up. You know, Beeson is a much more solid uh, traditional defender to me. Uh, so, you know, that third player, Rometty, stepped in, did decently well i think he didn't do any worse than than jackson did in his uh, his role there um but you might have to take that sacrifice sacrifice some of the uh, you know the ability to pass out of the back to get a jutsen out there someone who's going to be able to cover your center backs better um if you want to uh, kind of abandon that formation then you know a tanner beeson calvo uh, partnership might be okay but again i still have doubts about francisco calvo's ability to to say uh, solid as a defender and not take the chances that leave him exposed or, or gets players behind him and, and puts JT in those tough positions. I mean, I think I tweeted also that, you know, JT, uh, man of the match again. And, and while that's that's great for JT's resume, that's that's not the guy you want getting your man of the match honors every week. So uh, something something needs to change, either play to your personnel or, or make that adjustment and, and try to try to survive with the guys you have until Nathan comes back. Guys, I, I don't know if we can say that Judson should be in this lineup, though, because we've barely seen him this season. It's a complete read to me where Judson has he's completely fallen off the radar. It seems like he's completely fallen out of favor with Matias Almeida this season. He went from a guy who was in 2019 and 2020, basically the heart of their midfield. He was one of their strongest defensive assets, uh, to now be a guy that really sees the field. I think he started to see that a little bit last season when he – uh, he had a delayed preseason. Uh, he didn't show up to, to preseason fit. Uh, and, and he was kind of in and out of the lineup with Eric Ometti last year. Uh, but this year, this season, it seems like he's completely lost that challenge and we're not seeing any of him at all. So uh, that's really a big mystery to me at this point of, of, of what's going on with Judson and, and why he's not getting any minutes at this stage. Because it feels like he's a guy that could really help add some some defensive yeah. stability in there and also just help the Quakes get back to basics. You know, the I mean, partners that he and Jack Newell had for a long time worked and, and he's a guy that, that, that adds stability and can help, I think, reinforce this team. I mean, he's healthy. He's available. Uh, we know what Juicing can provide. Again, I, I think if you did want to play that center, you know, kind of center midfielder as a center back uh, formation, you know, it's he's the third man to try in that. And you know, he's not going to necessarily give you the passing out of the back that you might get out of Jackson or even Remedia times. But at least you're trying something else. And it is a coach's decision. We know he's healthy. So, uh, you know, that's something he has to answer for. Hi, Coach. Thank you for taking the time today. Obviously, a road loss is disappointing in Minnesota, a team that you played pretty pretty well even last season. Um, it still feels like the attack is just not coming together. Uh, at times, seemed very slow in plotting, a bit of a lack of urgency at the end, needing a goal, uh, a lot of you know passing around the back and not really getting goal dangerous. Um, Obviously, Shofis got injured. Perhaps you can give us an, an update on what happened with Shofis tonight. And you had to shift before the game and play Benji. But uh, in your estimation, you know, where did the attack break down tonight and what needs to fix? Thank you.
Thank you, Pedro, and, and thank you, Coach, for your time this evening. Um, you have two weeks off until the next game, and then the next three of the next four games are at home. What are the priorities that you have uh, set to, for your trainings, uh, for your game planning, that you can work on these next two weeks in order to uh, you know, come out with a better chance of getting these results in the next month? Próximo partido se juega en dos semanas y después tres de los próximos cuatro partidos se juegan de local. Eh, ¿Cuáles van a ser las prioridades, prioridades en el entrenamiento para tener mejores chances en estos partidos que vienen? Realmente hemos trabajado bastante con respecto a todos los errores que cometemos. Really on every that we've made. Hemos trabajado bastante en fase ofensiva. Y hay una realidad que todavía no encontramos la fórmula. A, a la manera. We found our way. Eh, y de esta manera estamos siendo un equipo muy frágil. And this way we're a really team. Porque en, ante el primer avance de ellos o el segundo avance nos convierten. In their first or attack, they y las posibilidades nuestras no, no convertimos. Entonces se hace muy difícil después. Este tiempo servirá para pensar más que nada mucho. Analizar bien cada punto. To really eh, es verdad que la falta Miren. de Nathan a este equipo eh, se nota. It's true that uh, you can really tell um, Nathan's absence. It's noticeable. Desde su lesión hemos tratado de modificar atrás eh, con tres, con cuatro, con cinco y bueno, todavía no hemos encontrado el camino. Since his injury, we've tried to modify the back line with a back three, a back four, a back five, and we still haven't found the right path. Ya que en todos los partidos nos han convertido. Because we've conceded goals every game. Entonces, pero también hemos hecho muy poco juego en ofensiva. Entonces ahora con este tiempo que hay hay que replantearse un montón de, de situaciones. So now with this uh, time that we have, we're going to have to rethink a bunch of different situations. Thank you. We're going to take one last one from Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hi, Coach. Thanks for taking one more question. Obviously, you do have a couple of weeks to get ready for the next game here. Um, and tonight, you brought on some players who brought, a, brought on a bit of a spark. I think people were uh, impressed with R Will Richmond. Uh, they've also been impressed with uh, Aseni Buddha's performance in the last game. Do you think that uh, this might be an opportunity now to try some of these young players and to give them a chance to start and to see if that can help spark the offense? Thank you. Ya que el partido se juega en el próximo partido se juega en dos semanas, vas a tener tiempo para pensar. Hoy entró bien, eh, dice que a la gente le gustó mucho como entró Will, que le dio una chispita. La semana pasada también entró Buda, que a la gente le gustó. Si pensás que con estas actuaciones que tuvieron, que por ahí le va a tocar el jugar de titular. Bueno, creo que ellos están haciendo su recorrido normal después de haber venido de una universidad. I think they're going through the normal process after uh, getting selected in the college draft. Eh, para un entrenador es lindo hacer debutar a los jóvenes. As a coach, it's nice to debut youngsters. Pero también entiendo que lleva mucho tiempo hasta que ellos plasmen una idea dentro de la cancha. But I know it also takes time for them to be able to give their ideas on the field. Hoy digo que ellos tienen un lindo futuro por delante. They have a nice future ahead of them. Pero eso lleva un tiempo y hay que ver si el tiempo eh, me soporta a mí. But that takes time, and we'll see if time tolerates myself. Okay, well, thank you, everyone. We'll be bringing Tanner Beeson momentarily. Okay, and uh, my bad. Apparently, I had that uh, on mute for the opening part there. Uh, so, guys, what, why don't we go back and, and talk a little bit about the questions while we're... I think you said Tanner Beeson's coming? Okay, so while we're waiting for Tanner Beeson... Uh, let me let's go back and replay that. So my first question for Matias was around uh, tonight, just commenting that it felt like the play was too slow, uh, plotting from the offensive side, um, didn't feel as connected, and he was actually uh, he did he didn't give any excuses. He said it was too slow. It it was not. Uh, we have 
over these first four games, we have generated less than half of the goal scoring chances that we've generated in any season uh, that I've been coach of the team. Um, and so he was in complete agreement with, with that assessment of it. So clearly not good enough. Um, for my second question, I think people were able to, to finally catch that. Um, you know, it was around the, the youth. And, you know, do, do, does he need to give someone else an opportunity uh, to try to be a spark, to try to get this offense going right now? And, uh, of course, he kind of fell back into the, well, these are the young guys and, and you know, uh, you know they're, they're still getting used to everything. But, frankly, he's not getting the performances that he needs from the veterans right now. And when you're not giving the performance from your veterans, sometimes you're just going to need to shake, shake things up and see what cream rises to the top you know, at the end. Uh, so anyway, that was, uh, that was my questions. Um, you know, Alex, Robert, uh, just jump in, maybe, uh, remind everyone what your question was and then, uh, you know, what you think you, uh, you heard from that. Absolutely. Jamin, I, I do want to note the kind of ominous ending there, uh, where he s seemed to suggest that he might be running out of time in San Jose. Uh, he said he might not have time to, uh, develop a lot of these young players in the way he would like to. So that was a, an interesting ending there. The question that I asked him was about Eric Rometty uh, and why he started Eric Rometty in that more defensive central role. Uh, he described that role as a libero role uh, between uh, the two center backs and essentially the same role Jackson uh, has been playing in that three at the back. Uh, but what really caught me by surprise was his justification for that. He said that he played them in uh, that role, played Eric Rometty at center back, uh, in a back five because he wanted to be more defensively solid and to prevent counterattacks, to be uh, less vulnerable to counterattacks. And I think it had the opposite effect. Starting Eric Rometty in center defense is not the way in which I would stop counterattacks. That seems like uh, a nonsensical strategy to me. So I, I really don't understand his justification uh, for that move, but uh uh, that one left me uh, scratching my head, Jamin. Robert, before we move on to you, uh, Jorge's got a question here. Did he give an update on Shofis? I also did ask about Shofis. He mentioned that he was feeling some pain before the game, and they made the decision to not start him, but he didn't give any real specifics about the type of injury, just said that he was experiencing some pain, and they made the decision uh, to not start him as a result of that. Uh, Robert, I think right around your question was where things probably got a bit unmuted, but maybe repeat what your question was and, and again, what you uh, took from that. Yeah, in essence, I you know, wanted to ask about, you know, what's up for these next couple of weeks? You know, the Quakes uh, play Austin in two weeks time. They have three out of their next four games at home. So the month of April is uh, kind of very favorable in terms of that part of the schedule. Um, and, you know, with two weeks to, to really consider what's next, you know, the, the Quakes don't have guys that are going to be leaving the team for international breaks, uh, at least not a significant portion of the roster. And, uh, you know, I, the response was, I think, kind of boiler point in places. Uh, there were uh, Nathan's name to get mentioned. I didn't mention it in my question, but I think there is definitely a, an admission that, you know, Nathan is a big part of what they've planned to this point and that he's going to have to think about uh, Mateus that is, is going to have to think about what he can do without Nathan or, you know, with, with the roster and with the players that he does have. Um, it's uh, this, this is a, a break that's going to be, uh, I think, uh, <laughs> needs to be very well used. I think Almeida needs to you know, take a, a step back and really think about his decisions, maybe not try to be so kind of cavalier and, and, and you know, zig when he should be zagging at times. Uh, and that's, I think, a little bit of what I, I kind of heard in his response. It wasn't a defiant tone that we sometimes get when we when we propose questions. It seemed to more, you know, almost a, a thoughtful answer of like, OK, I need to think about this and see what I'm going to do next. Yeah, it feels like that he he does get to these points at some time where at the beginning of an experiment, he's defiant about it, to your point, Robert. And then when the experiment starts to go wrong about four or five games in, you can see he's starting to like kind of acquiesce to these are the reasons we've been asking these questions, Matthias. And he's kind of like into the point of, yeah, this really isn't working the way I thought it would in so many words, right? That's not what he's saying. But he's starting to kind of like come to certain conclusions. In fact, let's, let's be honest. You wrote this week, Robert, a really great article, by the way, which I think people should check out. Uh, and it's available to everyone now about uh, the Jackson Yule center back experiment. And we saw a change, right? So, 
you know, he's, he is kind of seeing, I think what we've been talking about on the show, but I think he's just a little bit more stubborn to give up on certain ideas than I think, you know, we think and fans think that he should be. And, and that's been sort of a day one, uh, you know, kind of with, with Mateus, you know, when he arrived, he had big plans and, and the man, you know, kind of the infamous man marking system that we all kind of glommed onto as a description, you know, he was going to ride it to, to the end. And unfortunately he wrote it all season and the players were worn out by the time I uh, think it's got to the, to the end of that first season with Mateus in charge. So, you know, he does seem to be, you know, kind of a coach who's putting his ideas first uh, at times as opposed to the results. And I, and I, and I do wonder if, uh, you know, that's part of why All right. Thank you, everyone, for your patience. We now have Defender Tanner Beeson with us. Um, so let's get straight into questions, starting with Alex Morgan this time. Go ahead, Alex. Hi, Tanner. Thank you for joining us today. It's, it's good to talk to you. Uh, you know, tonight was another game where you guys allowed uh, a bunch of sort of breakaways and counterattacks that led to 1v1 situations uh, with, with JT at the back. And, and JT, I think, has done a good job saving those. He, he had a couple of those saves tonight. Uh, but it seems important for you guys to be able to stop those situations from happening. Uh, wh where is the breakdown happening, do you think? What, what is making you guys vulnerable to some of those breakaway chances? Um, yeah, uh, I think some of the chances are occurring from different things. Um, you know, there's, there's the obvious one late on where we're pushing numbers quite high forward, um, trying to score, trying to get an equalizer down one, nothing. Um, like I said, pushing just about every number forward and, uh, outlet ball kind of around the corner pass to Fregapane. Um, so that one, you know, I think we, I, ideally we don't give that breakaway, but perhaps we can live with that a little more because we're chasing the game. Uh, we're trying to trying to get back into it in the last minutes. Um, so the dying minute breakaway, I'm not going to be as upset about. Um, but certainly, you know, we, we'd like to give away fewer chances. And sometimes those those also occur off of turnovers as well. Um, and they did a good job of uh, in the first half, I would say more so um, winning balls often through the middle of the field and uh, kind of winning and going. Uh, so, so yeah, we, we need to Muted. be better about looking after, about looking after the ball and, um, and making them defend a little more, not giving away chances. You're right. Thank you. Let's now next Unmuted. go to Robert Jonas. Uh, thank you, Pedro. And, uh, thank you, Tanner, for your time this evening. Um, I know difficult, uh, a one nothing loss, uh, but uh, you could say a, a bit of improvement over the last couple of games um, in terms of goals conceded. Uh, you, get, you got your first start tonight of, of the season. Um, what have you seen over the uh, the last couple of weeks from your position on the bench, from, from your position in training that you feel kind of helped you tonight? Uh,
Okay. Apologies, everyone. My computer completely froze there. I'm going to try to get uh, the press conference back. Give me one second. Okay, I don't. Uh, I can't hear Robert. I can't hear me. Robert, can you hear me? Robert, can you unmute? You're on mute. You're mute. You're muted on your line. You're still muted. Can you hear me? They're saying they can only hear me. Robert, hold up a sign. <laughs> we can't hear you. I'm trying to unmute you, but I can't. I have to unmute yourself. Maybe try uh, stepping out and coming back. Okay, I apologize, everyone. Um, Jamin, I cannot hear you. You appear as if you're both on mute. Now, now can you hear me? Now I can. Okay, now you can hear me. Good. Something so happened that during that press My computer completely froze in the middle of the press conference. I think it affected everyone being able to, to hear anything. Nico wants me to give my best Razor Ramon impression. Uh, it's not very good, but, uh, but uh, if I need to uh, give Razor Ramon impressions, uh, I will be happy to do that. Uh, so, Alex, we didn't get to hear the press conference. So, well, we, we maybe the first part, but I didn't even get to ask a question. So, uh, what did what did you see and hear in the part that you were able to join there? Uh, we were talking with Tanner mostly about the defensive issues, Jamin. Uh, I asked him, uh, you know, what he about the vulnerabilities about the back and why they were giving up uh, a lot of the one v one situations with JT. Uh, I also asked him about the defensive change that they made uh, at halftime going to a, a four at the back situation. Uh, and uh, to be honest, I think his answers were, were mostly boilerplate. I think he acknowledged that they were having these issues, much like 
Matias did, by the way. In Matias' press conference, one of the quotes that jumped out to me was, was him saying, we haven't found our formula. We haven't found our way. We're a really fragile team. We're going to have to rethink a lot of different situations. It was pretty much the same message from Tanner in that they're acknowledging these, uh, these issues, but I think they're having trouble uh, moving forward. And, and I think it's a tough question for, for Tanner to answer in particular, because I don't think the issue is a player issue, really. I don't think that uh, it's uh, individual errors or mistakes. I think it's a tactical issue. And it's the, the the lineup that they're putting out there and the way they're setting up at the back. And I think that uh, that's that's a hard question for him to answer. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if we, we gleaned uh, much significant insight from him on, on any of those questions. I, I don't know if you grabbed anything, Robert, that I'm missing. No, I think it was, uh, you know, you know, you're never, you're not going to be of high spirits when you lose a game, when you when you drop two straight games on the road. Uh, my question did focus a little bit on again, like I asked uh, Mateus, you know, what next? You know, what are the priorities? And and you know, I think Tanner was you know forthright about okay, a, a break would be great. You know, they get two weeks off until they play Austin. They had a pretty busy preseason, a pretty condensed preseason, and then they've been playing games one week at a time. So I think he acknowledged a couple of days off would be nice. He finished it by saying that he couldn't wait to get back on the field, which I think was more the the kind player mentality than the body mentality speaking there um and uh you know having to listen to the, you know listen to for what the coaches have to say you know you know when you're a player you don't have the the ability to put that input in without uh, alienating your coaching staff and you have to be ready when called upon and that was the other part of his response was you know getting his first start tonight of the season and and basically just you know when he got the call he, he knew he had to be ready and he had to go out there and do it do what uh, the best he could given the uh, the formation and given the game plan so um you know it's uh, i think there'll be a lot of thinking you know a lot of thinking hopefully in the coaching staff about what to do next maybe some thinking amongst the players about uh, you know how their individual uh, you know performances have been and how they can you know really maximize their contributions because when you have three out of four games at home for a team that has been very woeful at uh, paypal park last season and to start this season you know these are the games that uh, you know will really tell us uh, something about you know how much attention this this team deserves uh, you know and it's only March, you know, we're, we're, and I don't want to, you know, kind of, you know, write off a team that's only four games in the season, but, you know, these first four games uh, have not really set a high bar. And these next four games all against tough of Western opponents are, are I think what you will call a measuring stick. And, and will this coach and will these players be ready for, for that challenge? And, and maybe some thinking from the general manager and the technical staff as Absolutely. well. I think Robert Jonas, I think we're probably reaching that point because uh, it yes. feels like the, the Quakes have the talent in the roster. I don't think there's any doubt about that this season. It feels like Matias Almeida is the one holding them back at this point. And especially with the younger players, that's something that concerns me. You know, Matias Almeida, I think, rightfully has taken credit for uh, a lot of the development that we've seen from Cade Cowell and Jackson uh, Ewell, uh, Jackson Ewell in particular. But at this point, it feels like... Uh, the tactical issues that uh, he's going through are holding those players back. And that, you know, with guys like Benji Gikanovich as well, uh, we're not seeing the best of them. We're not getting the most of them. Uh, and Marcos Lopez is another guy who's succeeding really fantastically on the international level, but uh, I think has, has struggled more at the club level just because Matias Almeida hasn't settled on a defensive system, a formation, a lineup that he likes. And so Marcos Lopez has kind of been in and out of the lineup for the last couple of games and struggling uh, to cement himself at this club level is going to hurt him on the international stage. So for a lot of these young players in their development, uh, I, I, I think right now it's, it's in a bad spot. And I'm worried about uh, a lot of these young guys who clearly have the talent, but uh, are not in the right environment to thrive right now. So, you know, while we're talking about the coaching, look, you know, I don't think it's been any secret, you know, about, uh, you know, my feelings, about whether Matias Almeida is the right coach for this team long-term or not. If you're going to make a coaching change, for me, the right time to do it is with one of these international breaks. Now, you're only four games in. It may be too soon to throw in the towel on the season, and I want to be kind of fair with, with the comments here, um, because we've seen bad four-game starts from this team before. In fact, the very first season that Matias Almeida was a coach, they lost the first four games. In the fifth game, it all kind of clicked, right? It all turned around 
And the team went on probably one of the hottest winning streaks that we'd seen this side of, of 2012, right? Now, the question is, are we seeing signs that this is going to turn around? For me, the answer is no. I am not seeing the signs that the coaching staff is going to be able to turn things around the way that this team is currently constructed. And so, you know, you've got an international break here. Uh, there's another, I think, international break uh, in another month or so. If you're going to make a coaching change, for me, an international break is a perfect time because now you got two weeks for whomever comes in and plays that interim role more than likely because you're probably not going to hire the permanent head coach now unless that person is available and you're ready to go. So you're going to look at someone like an Alex Cavello, who's uh, going to be running Quakes 2, and, uh, and, and who, by the way, was an assistant coach under Chris Leach. And Alex has a really good picture of uh, Leach that we've used in articles before where uh, Cavello is uh, right behind him. So if you have any doubt about uh, that, uh, you can always refer back to that picture. Um, and Marcelo brings up Ian Russell, you know, to my knowledge, Ian Russell is sitting at home and available. Uh, he hasn't told me otherwise. Uh, so, you know, it's quite possible that yes, you could bring in a, a, an, an Ian, but the person who's going to be able to begin executing like right away and be able to get this team, you know, going, if you make a coaching change probably is Alex Cavello at this point. Um, and I've got, received a lot, a ton of really positive feedback about Alex, by the way. Uh, in terms of the work that he's doing from the academy side and now Quakes 2 with the U23s last year. Uh, the people who have observed him, uh, you know, really feel that uh, he's excellent. And it seems like, you know, that would be a way to be able to do it. You also do have Chris Wondolowski uh, in the office and who would be probably a great assistant coach for a little while, even for an interim basis. Uh, and being able to get, uh, you know, Wando close to the players again and close to the pitch again you know, it could be a really interesting thing. Now there's a lot of I's to dot, a lot of T's to cross and things like that. But, you know, you, you have an international break. You know, this is, if you want to make a change and you want to do it early in the season and potentially, you know, save the season with a coaching change, then this is a really good opportunity to do it because you've got two weeks to get it done and be able to make those adjustments. Uh, you know, I'm not sure it is going to be a coaching change that would be enough here. And I, and I think, you know, it was mentioned, I think, Alex, you you mentioned also, you know, the GM's responsibility in this in this whole, uh, you know, whole equation here. You know, the uh, the the primary window is still open for MLS. You know, teams can still bring players in if, if there are possible you know, free agents out there or players that can be brought, somehow brought in via transfer. And, uh, you know, center back, center back, center back, if I have a vote and I just made three of them, would be a, a really good piece to get in. If you've got someone lined up for the summer, then, OK, you're going to have to try to play it out until you get to that point. But, uh, you know, a healthy Nathan and another quality center back to me would transform this team more than maybe a coaching change would, would transform this team. Um, I do agree with the idea that sometimes the, the youth players are not getting the development we might expect given the trumpets that Mateus tends to, to blow on this. And maybe Cavella would be the guy who, who knows them a bit better to bring them forward. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm with you, Jamin. An international break makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I would think the next international break, uh, we saw some changes made in the past in the, in that uh, in that June window, would be a typical uh, point where the Quakes would make that decision. I look, Robert. I think that the Quakes could have Virgil Van Dyke and Sergio <laughs> Ramos starting at center back, and if well, they don't put dual a shot Libros. on target, if they don't put There's. a shot on target, they're still not going to win games, right? This is a a system wide issue in all aspects, <laughs> facets of this team. I think it, it extends beyond just the, the center back issues. And I, what I think is increasingly clear now is that Matias Almeida is kind of a lame duck coach, right? No matter what happens this season, I think it's increasingly unrealistic, absurd to think that he'll get renewed beyond this season. I think it's clear at this point that this will be his last season in San Jose, his time is limited. And so if your horizon is this season, uh, and, and the Quakes keep losing, I think, uh, in, in order to turn things around, you're going to have to come to a, a tough decision because uh, if, if the Quakes are wanting to get into the playoffs uh, this year, that's the decision that you're going to have to inevitably run up against. I think I stirred up the, uh, the, the chat with a comment about Wando as an assistant coach. I just want to be clear. 
uh, I just think like, so, so, uh, you know, if you think about this, I, I want to just kind of like talk through the scenario. I'm not saying go out and fire Almeida. Okay. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you make a change, let me just talk through a little bit of the mechanics of what would probably need to happen here. Most of the staff that Matias has is Matias's staff. Thereby, if Matias leaves, the likelihood is all that st staff also leaves. And you're going to have a whole of a staff. And if you promote Cavello from Quakes 2 to the to the first team, now you got to backfill the coach of the Quakes 2 team. Okay. So there's a lot that would have to be done. And my only comment is, you know, Wando would could be someone who can come in on a very short-term basis as an assistant and fill a spot until you can actually rebuild the staff that you would want in that situation. And I think this is a huge consideration. When you consider changing a head coach who has his own staff like this, you know, that is a big question. So I just wanted to point out that my comments about Wando are not that, hey, you know, Wando as coach, let, you know, and, and start a campaign or anything like that. It's that you're going to have a huge staff hole here and you need to fill it with people who are capable of being able to fill it. And it feels like, you know, Wando is somebody who could probably jump in for a little while and just kind of help keep things moving along until you get the right people. <laughs> this, this came up at a family dinner after the Philadelphia game. And I brought up, oh, you know, Wando, the interim coach. And <laughs> everyone around the table is like, oh, that would be so much fun. I, he, he, he's the emotional pick. Obviously, Wando for everything. Wando for, you know, you know, taking your, you know, scanning your ticket at the front gate. Wando for delivering dogs to the seats at, at halftime. You know, we'd all love, you know, Chris to be involved in everything to do with the earthquakes because he's put so much into this club already. Um, if you if you made uh, you know Chris Wondolowski coach, I don't know if you could do any worse, but uh, you know I don't know if that's you know the the, the the best decision this team this team <laughs> could make at this point. But hey, give him some time. You know maybe by that summer window, it looks like we saw Chris Leach take on the dual job uh, when uh, Don, when Don Kinnear was let go. You know that could be something that uh, you know Wondolowski would be more than happy to to fill those shoes. <laughs> I cate work. categorically deny, by the way, that <laughs> Alex or I know Wando well enough for him to slip us fifty dollars or a hundred dollars to promote him as a coach just just fyi to be, to be quite honest got my family I, I, support <laughs> i'm not sure that wando would want to take on the responsibility of being the head coach of this team right now um but i i do think on we're a, just on trying a to keep things kind of fun tonight he, guys he, he, he could probably pass mika stare in terms of wins record though don't you think you know so be the worst worst coach of all time low bar robert but, but on this on, on a serious note, I do think that this is a, a, a major test of the growth this front office has gone through. Because in the past, when they've gone through transitions, it's been really, really hard on the team because they haven't thought enough and taken enough care to think about the process. When they hired, when they sacked Jesse Fiorinelli last summer, it was out of the blue and it didn't feel like they had a process to replace him in a timely manner. And the same thing happened when they fired Dominic Kinnear, you know, five years ago. They didn't really, it came out of the blue and they didn't really have a, a replacement in line immediately. This is a situation now, they have a new club president, uh, Jared Shawley. They have a new general manager, Chris Leach. They need to be very careful about how they go about this. And they need to start building that transition plan right now so that it's a more seamless transition. Because in the past, it's been a disaster. And quite frankly, it's been embarrassing for the club and for the front office, that they've had no one to answer uh, to these changes and, and, and it feels like they've had a lack of a plan. So so I, I think it'll be a huge test for, for Jared Shawley as the new president and for Chris Leach as the general man, how they this potential coaching uh, transition. Yeah, no, well, I, I believe that Chris Leach, by the way, everyone keep in mind, he was the interim general manager for a while before Jesse Fiorinelli came in. And, and I think he was a serious candidate at that time for that particular position as well. And then obviously was selected as the general manager this time. So for me, I have to believe that he's got a good idea. He's probably been carrying around in his back pocket a list of the coaches that he would bring in if he was the general manager of this team. And there's probably a couple names in pen and a few in pencil. And every once in a while he goes in there and scratches off one in pencil because they took a position somewhere else and maybe writes in a new name because they became available or something like that. So there's a bunch of that that's in pencil. I believe there's like two names at the top that are in pen. I have to believe that there's two, three names that are in pen. And if those coaches are available, 
like that's who he would want to have, uh, you know, as a coach with him as the general manager. So I believe very strongly Chris Leach is prepared uh, to be able to bring in the next coach. The question is, is the coach that he wants available now? And is this the right time to pull the trigger? And I think Robert and I are both saying we kind of have our doubts that this is the right time, that probably some other things will need to fall into place. Maybe the next window, if the things keep going the way that they are, is a better time to be able to do that you know, than it is right now. Alex, sounds like you disagree. You want to blow the whole thing up and uh, and and uh, you get get started on the on the next uh, the next uh, era of the San Jose Earthquakes now. Well, I, I think it makes sense to wait until an, an international break, uh, or, or at least to give uh, Almeida another uh, you know three four games to 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 figure it out and to try to rebalance uh, this team because I do think that there's also some issues uh, indiv- on the individual side of it. I think that. Jeremy Obobese uh, is a guy that has been uh, vastly underperforming uh, so far this season. Uh, and I've been very sympathetic towards uh, Obobese because I think we've seen flashes of, of what he can offer in terms of his distribution, in terms of his movement, uh, and the way that he checks into the ball uh, and, and plays it out wide. Uh, but right now, it just feels like he's getting bullied. It feels like he's getting bullied by center backs. It feels like he's shrinking away from challenges. Uh, and my patience is, is running out at this point because uh, he was a guy who uh, was slated to be one of their top scorers this season, uh, who came in with uh, a lot of expectations when he joined for Portland last summer. And it really doesn't feel like he's the same player that he was uh, before he got that concussion. And that's frustrating for Quakes fans. I think it's, it's sad because we know that he's a consummate professional. He's a guy that cares and, and, and really puts a lot of effort in. Uh, but it, it feels right now like he's getting shut down a lot and uh, he's not putting in the, the performances up top that he needs to. And obviously a part of that is the ball movement uh, it's in, in the, uh, the fact that he's not had a ton of great service. But uh, at this point, I think that he also needs to be creating more chances for himself and, and uh, putting himself in situations where he can get some shots on target. So we're coming up on the hour here. I want to be sensitive for everyone's time. Uh, if you guys want to think about your final thoughts, let me just put out a couple things here and we'll we'll kind of hit uh, some of the business side of things. First off, fans, we apologize for technical difficulties in the press conference tonight, including my computer crash. Uh, what we will do is we should be provided by the club, the press conference footage, and we will upload that for everyone on our YouTube site. So when uh, if you need to like watch this back later or anything like that, you want to hear the everything from the press conference side, we will upload that so you can hear everything. In fact, I haven't even heard Tanner Beeson's yet because of my computer issues. So I'm going to go listen to that myself. So we will get that available to you. Uh, I think someone said earlier that uh, we need to uh, increase the uh, the Patreon uh, contributions so that we can hire a full time producer. By the way, Alex and I have have had the full-time producer thing before. You don't have fewer technical issues because you have a producer. <laughs> technical issues happen because they happen sometimes. So uh, all the all those of you who uh, remember the days we used to start 30 minutes late uh, Black and Azul shows, uh, sometimes that was due to technical difficulties by having better equipment, uh, surprisingly enough. Okay, so I do want to hit, though, very quickly uh, the Patreon. So again, this week uh, we did, uh, Robert put out an article that was available in patron preview for our patrons first and foremost. It's out there usually for at least 24 hours, if not 48 hours or so uh, for the patrons first. You can get that by subscribing on the site for $2 for an additional $3 a month, or you can go in an annual and take care of it all at one time. We actually like it when people do that. It does get the money to us earlier, which helps us with some of the upcoming expenses around travel that, uh, that we're thinking about. Uh, for some matches and such. So um, for the additional $5, uh, you can, uh, or sorry, additional $3, you can uh, get access to video. So for instance, this week, some of the video that that people had access to was this, the, the Slack channel voted that they wanted to see Jackson Ewell's actions from the Philadelphia game. So they got Jackson Ewell's actions. Uh, they uh, We also um, provided uh, the uh, press conference a little bit late this week because the press conference itself was late this week. Um, but normally that's on Wednesdays and normally we have it up by either Wednesday night or at the very latest Thursday morning for you. Uh, so you can get full access to all the press conference video. You also get access to the Slack 
uh, when you subscribe, we uh, ask you for an email address and we give you access to the Slack on whatever email address you want us to. So, uh, you know, if you want to get those additional benefits, uh, that is $5 um, a month, or you can, uh, you can uh, do the annual option and save 10% with the annual option. We also have a $15 tier. Um, if you just want to be really generous, uh, we need to uh, improve some of the benefits around that, but some people want to do it anyway because they love what we do. Uh, and uh, they know that we provide the most dedicated and best uh, earthquakes coverage. So if you're able to do that, fantastic. We really do appreciate anyone who can. We're over 150 patrons now and uh, certainly covering our costs. And we believe we'll be able to do a lot of the coverage we want to do this season, but we know we can do even more. So if you want to help us out with that, we really do appreciate it. Okay, guys, I'm going to turn it over to you for your final thoughts. Robert, I'm going to start with you. And, uh, you know, just uh, how do you see this team moving forward from here? Yeah. Um, so these next four games, uh, they I, they matter in 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 terms of all against Western Conference opponents. You've got three out of four at home. Uh, you've got the uh, the first or well, it's the third round of the U.S. Open Cup that'll happen in in mid-April. And uh, you know, uh, we know that Mateus Almeida came to San Jose touting a, a pretty strong record in cup cup competitions as well. Um, this is the uh, you know not a make or break because I don't think uh, Mateus will have his contract renewed uh, one way or the other, but definitely an opportunity for him to to salvage a successful uh, season. You know, make these games matter. Get that first cup win and then kind of ride into May with the, the kind of momentum that can lift the quakes off the uh, the bottom of the uh, the Western Conference uh, basement. That's my thought. I'm paying attention to these four games like uh, never before. Final thoughts, I, you're... Sorry. Oh. I needed to unmute and just tell you, now you can do your final thoughts. <laughs> Thanks, Javen. Look, I think our expectations for the San Jose earthquakes are really pretty low already, but but somehow they're underperforming uh, and and <laughs> finding ways to surprise us uh, even even this season. One point from the first four games it, it's just abysmal. This is Matias Almeida's fourth year in charge. You should have figured things out right now, and it's not going to get any easier. They're facing Austin FC uh, after the international break. They're a team that's uh, put a lot of goals in. Uh, in their first couple of games of the season. And, and you know, now the Western Conference is harder than ever. If you're not improving, if you're not making strides forward each year, uh, you're going to be falling further and further behind because only the top seven teams make the playoffs this year out of 14. Uh, and right now the Quakes are in 13th place, uh, basically dead last, uh, tied on points with, with the Vancouver Whitecaps. And uh, I, I, there are just too many strong teams in the West uh, to be able to sort of uh, ground your way into the playoffs. I, I don't think it's even possible uh, anymore to do uh, what the Quakes did in 2017 or even 2019, where they uh, were kind of average uh, for most of the season and, and just nicked their way into the playoffs. I think in order to be a playoff team in Major League Soccer right now, you need to be doing things purposefully and you need to be uh, doing them intentionally. You need to have a plan. You need to be succeeding. You need to be dangerous going forward and you need to be defensively solid. There's no room uh, for average team in the playoffs uh, anymore. And the Quakes are a, a, a poor and average team right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, we saw some inklings, seedlings of optimism in this game. But uh, I think mostly what I took away from it is just how far behind they are from everybody else in the Western Conference. And uh, that's, I think that's a tough thing to, to accept, Jamin. Yeah, you know, uh, recently at the at the season ticket holder event, one of the things that Jared Shawley, now the president of the earthquake, said is that the results on the field have not been good enough. And unfortunately, we're starting off another season where the same is true. One point out of four games, obviously, is not going to get, get you in the playoffs. In fact, it's going to get you the wooden spoon. So, you know, something's going to need to change. And either Matias is going to need to be able to figure out how to get the magic back into the attack. And I do think that some simplifying it a little bit more, I think, is a key for that. I think it's important, you know, if you want to do, you know, Jackson Ewell and, and Judson in the middle, and that's a key to simplifying it and getting back to some of the, the things that this team was successful with. 
in 2019, one of which was generating a lot of shots. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's potentially a, a change you can make. If he thinks that, uh, that somehow, uh, you know, getting Montero and, um, and Chofis and Abobasi and players into uh, different starting situations uh, and getting the ball higher up the pitch, as he indicated in his comments to me tonight, I'm not sure if I mentioned that or not, but he indicated that, you know, we need to be getting that ball a little bit higher up the pitch. We need to be able to start our attack a little bit uh, sooner. But for me, one of the problems right now is that it's actually just too slow. It's not really so much where they're winning it. It's that they're not transitioning out of it in a way to create any sort of danger. And we know this team has speed and they're not taking advantage of it. They're not sitting back and counterattacking and they're not winning the ball up higher from pressure and then immediately transitioning. One of those two things probably needs to happen with this team. If you're going to get a, a team that is based upon speed in the attack, you have to set up a tactical plan that's going to take advantage of that speed. And one of the things that I'm not seeing right now is any sort of transition use of that speed. Just not seeing it. So, uh, you know, if anyone knows, you know, know me, you know that I'm big on where goals come from and things like that. One of the things that goals come from is transitional attacks. It's a it's a huge way to get um, open play goals. And by the way, we're now another play, another game without an open play goal. Alex, go ahead. I, I just want to jump in briefly, Jamin, because one thing I actually think did improve was some of those transition moments. I thought that Benji Kakanovich in the middle did a pretty good job with those transition moments because he's so direct. When he got the ball, he was looking to go forward, as opposed to Chofi, who slows things down uh, and, and clogs up the middle and bogs down their play. So that's actually one, one tiny improvement uh, was that uh, Benji Kakanovich was more direct in the middle uh, and to me, that just shows how much Chofi struggles in a lot of those transition transition moments. Yeah, and, and I agree. I do think that, you know, whatever the solution here is, I, I feel like Kate and Benji have to be key parts of of that. They're the guys who can really kind of get you out and, and uh, be very interesting uh, in transitions. Utilize that speed, have them, you know, transition quickly, either get the ball to their feet or get the ball in, in space if you want them on the wings get the ball in space so that they can run onto the balls. Um, you know, one of the more dangerous moments that the Quakes have had was when Cade played that ball ahead of Jeremy Obobese, you know, last game. And like, it's almost like you look back on that and it's like, oh, that was an interesting moment in the attack. Well, it shouldn't be just one moment from a game that is interesting in the attack. You're not going to be, win very many games in, in Major League Soccer if you've got one good transitional moment in a game. It has to be a continuous, relentless uh, attack, and you have to have a plan to win the ball in a place where you're going to be able to take advantage of that. I don't see it right now. I'm not saying Matias isn't capable of it because we actually have seen that he is. So he either needs to, to come up with that plan and make that particular change so that they can be goal dangerous in the attack, or it's going to continue to languish and it's going to fall back into the defense's ability to be able to stop things. And without, uh, without Nathan, that's a tall order right now. So Okay, with that, I think uh, that's our show for the evening. Appreciate everyone joining us. We did go a little bit over the hour, but we typically go a little bit over the hour. And uh, obviously, no game next week. Enjoy the international break. The United States, of course, trying to uh, qualify for World Cup qualifying. So I know Twitter is going to be lit no matter what. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting time. But look out for some content from us. We do have the plan of getting you some content. Uh, I've got an article that I'm very interested in that, uh, and I'm very excited about that uh, I've been uh, working on for a bit. And uh, it's gonna come out hopefully during this international break. And I know Robert and Asher have ideas of their own as well. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll jump on and talk about uh, the US World Cup qualifying if we get really bored. But uh, you know, stay tuned. Quakes up the center. You know that we're going to continue to bring you some Quakes content even during this international break. And uh, thank you everyone for sticking with us and tuning in tonight and dealing with the technical difficulties. Uh, look for the full press conference on YouTube as well. To do that, subscribe. That way you'll be notified when it is up there and you will get the links to that. For Robert Jonas, for Alex Morgan, I'm Jamin Moore. Thank you for watching tonight, everybody. Have a good night.